when I came into the United Methodist Church, this, this conversation between uh, the Wesleyan tradition and the Reformed tradition was still active among Methodists. They always thought the P in Presbyterian standard for predestination. Uh, by the way, Presbyterians have gotten over it, even if Methodists haven't. And part of the reason it is accurate to the teachings of Jesus, that the, the radical nature of God's grace, and this is one of those parables that lies in the center of this sometimes difficult way of thinking. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. And then he went in again about nine o'clock and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he went out again about noon and at about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. And when those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled to the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. I, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am so generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. You will notice that we are... In the Gospel of Matthew, not in our Christian year, but in the Gospel of Matthew, we are approaching... Uh, the triumphal entry. So this is ultimately the kind of preaching that uh, got Jesus killed. And so when you begin to preach on parables, you really begins to be a little tricky. I think of this parable often, actually. In, you know, today is the first Sunday in fall, and I'm remembering last year, uh, in this, how this is my first this is now my second fall in the church, and I'm still sort of adjusting to living in Long Beach or this area of Long Beach, and also adjusting my grocery and shopping patterns, which is something you do. Uh, I shop at Trader Joe's, and there's one pretty close to me, but the one pretty close to me tends to be a little crowded. 
as we have, a, especially now that school has started with a university of 10,000 students over there, plus, I don't know how many, lots. They all seem to get out about the time I went to the grocery store. And so typically I'm in Trader Joe's and uh, for some reason, I don't know if this happens to any of you, for some reason when I head to the checkout line is the signal for everyone else in the store to go to the checkout line. So I'm there and I'm waiting, I know the Trader Joe's deal, and so I'm waiting for somebody to ring that bell to bring some more uh, checkers over. And sure enough, the bell rings, a new checker comes down to the aisle, and you know, the way the system works, I am supposed to be the one asked to go to that register. And you know this last time it didn't happen? The checker picked the person that just showed up in the line. And that's a little irritating, isn't it? I think of this parable quite a bit. I don't like lines. We have a vineyard. It's God's vineyard. It's the landowner, apparently God, because this is the kingdom of heaven. And much depends on your notion of the vineyard or how big you want to cast that vineyard. Is it the church? You might, you might consider it. Try that on for size, that the vineyard is the church. In the first century, when this was read, it would, be, would have been the people of Israel being invited to sort of expand their views. But you might, it might be work for you to think the vineyard is the church. And so the landowner needs laborers, and he goes to the place in town where folks line up uh, for work. Me, having been privileged and have, having had a certain sort of labor experience in the world, I've never had to stand really in one of those lines in the morning. And I, it wasn't a u- usual experience for me until I moved actually uh, in Redondo Beach and I drove up to the U-Haul to get some boxes early in the morning and I saw that line. The same line that was there in the first century of folks in the town center, laborers in the morning looking for work. And so the landowner goes into town, the place where the line is, and I, I, when I see one of those lines, I wonder how people are picked, you know, which are the two or three that go. But this landowner negotiates among the whole collection of them, and they come up to what is the daily wage, and they agree. And so he sends everybody, all of them, into his vineyard. Now, the question as we read this text is whether we are, we are going to dare to be in that group whether you want to enter into this parable as one of the laborers or keep your safe distance. Now, there's something to be said for keeping your safe distance from it. I'm going to try to go into the parable as one of the laborers. But pretty quickly, actually even before I even get to the vineyard, I'm a little irritated because we've negotiated the daily wage. And it turns out the daily wage in this period was one denarius. And that was actually what you needed to survive in a day. It was enough food to get by for the day. That's what the daily wage would buy. As a professional with a number of useless degrees, (laughs) 
I've gotten to the point in life where I think I'm more, more, a little more worthy than the daily wage. My, my work should be worth more, right? It turns out to be the way a lot of the world thinks. There's, there are laborers who are more valuable to others. So it's already a little, a little dodgy to step into this parable as one of the laborers because you've got to step back uh, and admit that all we're getting at the end of the day is enough to live one day. It's actually what ancient Israel began to grumble about in the wilderness. God provided, God only provided enough for one day. It's not really what we want. So you might want to stay outside the parable. It's a better place to stand. I'm also irked the morning as I think, now I, now I think about it, the metaphor is I have been here since 6 a.m. this morning. You all just showed up. In fact, a couple of you showed up after the opening hymn. There's a, metaphor, there's a metaphor in that for folks that have been around the church longer, but all right, well. As I think about it earlier this morning, is I have been, I have spent 49 years in the church listening to folks saying how great things used to be. I think I've earned my keep. <laughs> but if I'm going to go into this vineyard, all I get is enough to survive one day. Now, just for trying on for size, we're out laboring in the vineyard. And I begin to notice as the day goes on, the master disappearing again, actually at every break time, at 9, at noon, at 3, and at 5 o'clock, goes into town and brings more people into the field. I have done manual labor before, when I was a teenager, and I have done manual labor in groups. And you really begin to understand that sometimes more hands doesn't necessarily make the work more efficient. I was actually observed this yesterday as I ended a long choir rehearsal for the community chorus I sing in, and we were invited to put, to, uh, put the chairs back. Well, the chairs required some sorting. They were sort of different kinds. And actually, it would have been easier for three people to get that job done than 20. So, I'm out here in the field, landowner, noon, three, five, more people that keep coming into the field that have no clue what they're doing. I'm a little irritated at this landowner, but I'm going to endure because I need that, I need to eat. Finally, sundown. And so the manager comes. And I'm pretty excited, although, again, the bell rings. The manager goes first for the person that just came in at 5 o'clock. Now, these folks at 5 o'clock really troubled me in the sense that the folks, that, who are the folks going to be left? Who are the folks who are left in town at 5 o'clock? Well, it says in the text, there are folks that nobody hired. Folks with weak knees, troublesome back, had seen too many or too few winters. 
the lame, the poor, the outcast. The folks that no one picked. They all came into the field at five. And so the landowner, when it comes to pay time, pays them first. They aren't even sweating. <laughs> A whole denarius. What I thought it was going to make for the day, so I get pretty excited. This is, there are some, there, this, this is a vineyard of high-class wine, apparently. And so I'm expecting that, that wage stack to get bigger and bigger as it gets down to me, who came in at, but no, no. One denarius, everyone. And at this, I've had it. This is unfair. Friend, I did you no wrong. Are you envious because I am generous? With you, I'm not going to say it out, well, with you, I will say it out loud. Yes, yes, I'm envious. Because the generosity of grace in the kingdom of heaven is unfair. And then the first will be last, and the last will be first, and the curtain closes, parable over. What are we going to do with that? There might be uh, more than three applications, but I'm going to give you three. It always worries when a preacher begins to count, because it might be the fourth one is the, was the most important, but I'm going to give you three. The first, let's go back to the church. So what if this vineyard is, in fact, the church, either our church or the church universal? What is this parable, this, this parable of God's unfair grace mean to us? It could mean that the folks who arrived 10 minutes before worship and the folks that came during the middle of the sermon are all equally valued in the eyes of God. Just as important. Just to be welcome. I'm not sure I like that answer, so let's keep going. Well, it could be in the church that founding members and the person that came to today for the first time equally important. I'm not sure I like that answer either, so let's keep going. It could mean that generationally, now there's the old joke of, of uh, who are pastors most welcoming to. It could be the, the young family that tithes and has two kids. That's the people we want to welcome. But it could be that the folks who have had too few winters and the folks that have had many are equal and are equally deserving of our attention in the kingdom of God. It could be that the person that's been here since 6 a.m. Uh, with the keys to the church, a little full of himself or herself 
is as the least. Is the least. Of course, the least in the kingdom of God is where everyone is, is, is welcome. It tends to be not the roles that we have in the church that make us more important. It's just that we have different roles. I don't think I want to talk about this parable in context of the church anymore. You can take that home and do that for me. It could be now, let's expand this king, this vineyard out. We may expand it to just the borders of the U.S. You could expand it out to all the world. What is it saying? It's saying an, it could be saying a strange thing about economy. It could be saying this irritating thing about living wage that every single human being deserves bread for the day, affordable housing, health care. Every single human being is worthy of that, regardless of their value or where their ability to earn or the ability to pay. I'm going to move right on to point three <laughs> before I'm accused of going on to meddling. I think that point three is related to the first two. What concerns me a little bit, um, I think in October I want to give a little enter into a little bit of conversation about what changed in the culture to make it so different. But part of it is the default culture now is what I would call secular. Now there's two ways that means uh, intentionally without the presence of God in its thinking. And there's two ways that can go. It can go the way of um, Nietzsche, meaning that might and right and power and prestige are actually make one better in our values. Or it could go in the way of what's called secular humanism. Now humanism, the idea that every human being is equal, comes into at least the Western tradition from these texts. It's a new idea. It came into the Western world at least I have another author who said it was into all of human history, but let me just say the Western world, through Jerusalem and then Jesus. Now what happens, and we, you know, we haven't exactly been great at that, but we are in this position now that the whole world will become inflamed by a sight of injustice on the television. Things that millennia ago would have been ignored. So there, there is progress. But what if we detach this sense of everyone being, you know, I don't have a better word for it, every human being of sacred worth. What if you don't have that which gives sanctity to life, which is God? What if you detach that? The understanding that every human being is of, of, you know, I can't do it. Try to put that in a sentence. Every human being is of what? Sacred worth? Infinite worth? You need something. What happens in secular culture when, when we've tried to think through this, as social political scientists of the 19th century did, you ultimately come out and human beings are kind of ranked on what 
benefit they give to the society. The best you get is the greatest good for the greatest number. So what happens? What happens if your voice is lost? This is what concerns me. And motivates my passion for ministry in the world in this time and the place. It's not to turn the whole world Christian. But the Christian voice in the world that says every single human being is sacred. It cannot be lost. Because without it, it may very well disappear from the face of the earth. You know, that's the end of my sermon. We've got work to do. <laughs> and that work begins not in a sense of fairness, as the society judges fairness. Grace is unfair. But oh, how remarkably generous it is with the love of God. Extending to everything that has breath. May we be that voice in the world. And may we be that church on this corner of Long Beach speaking that message. And to God alone will be the glory. Now and forever. Amen.